this evening. Good deal, good deal. If you would be taking your Bibles and find the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 this evening. We will be looking at verses 1 through 4. First Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4 says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid or ill gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray this evening. Father, we thank you for tonight, God. We thank you again for this opportunity, Father, that we can gather together and study your word and Father, I just pray that you would be with us tonight in this study. Fathers, we have been moving through the book of 1 Peter, Father, and as we go through and step through it, we come to this passage that speaks primarily to pastors. But Father, I pray that we would all see the need, the benefit of knowing this passage for all of us as believers. And Father, that we would apply it to our lives where it is relevant. Father, we thank you for this passage, God. We thank you that you are calling pastors, God, that you give instruction to pastors. And Father, you give instructions to churches and what they should look for in a pastor. Father, we thank you for these things, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are, as I just mentioned in my prayer and also in the Scripture reading, we are talking about a passage of Scripture tonight that speaks to the pastor primarily. Now, understand, as we dive into this passage, this is not some subtle hit towards Jim or anyone else, of course, as pastor. We all love and appreciate Jim as pastor, right church? There we go. Yes, of course we do. We simply are here because, as I mentioned, we are stepping through and have been stepping through this book of First Peter. Okay, what we see in this letter, Peter addresses a host of issues that this people would be facing, namely because of or uh, because of persecution. And as the Lord would have it, we have been in this section of First Peter during these last few months. We've been in First Peter chapters 2 through 4, and it dives deeper into the subject of suffering unfairly and suffering for righteousness' sake. And we spoke a little this morning about the nature of Christian affliction. I, I want you to do something. Look there just at the verse above chapter 5, verse 1. That's First Peter chapter 4, verse 19, as we call to memory the context of what Peter is talking about. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The context of this passage in chapter 4, as we move into chapter 5, was still concerning the suffering of God's people. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, he kind of shifts gears there, doesn't he, in chapter 5? Well, it would at first glance appear that way, but that actually isn't the case. Even though Paul is now speaking of pastoral leadership and instruction to elders or pastors, it is still in the context of a struggling church. It is teaching us and showing us that what the church needs, especially a struggling church. Look there in 1 Peter 5, verse 1 and 2 again. 
He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So what does a struggling church need? It needs a solid pastor. It needs a solid biblical pastor. This is still in context of Peter speaking about a struggling church, specifically a church who had been struggling with persecution. What they needed more than anything was their elders among them, their pastors among them to lead properly. Of all the things that could be mentioned here, the church, it doesn't need money or strategy or influence. The one thing that Peter jumps to is the need for biblically solid pastors. And it brings up the question, so what is a pastor? What is the job of a pastor? Well, the biblical wording for leadership and office of leadership, it's really found in two words within Scripture and even within this church. We just had a few weeks ago, we had a deacon ordination. That's really a role of leadership we see within the church and the structure of the church. A church who has deacons, the idea and the goal of a deacon is to be one who leads by their service. The way that they live their life, the way that they serve their church, the way that they operate within the church is to be an example of a servant, a servant to the body of Christ. That, that is the first office of leadership. And the second, and what we're speaking about tonight, is that of a pastor. The word meaning a overseer. Someone who oversees and watches over the operation, health, and well-being of the local body of Christ. Now, now understand that this should not be misconstrued to imply value. Just because Brother Jim or myself or any other pastor stands in this position and teaches or preaches, that does not mean that we have more value or a closer connection to God because of this pastoral role. I hope that you understand that. I've had people tell me before, and I know Brother Jim has as well. We've spoken on this in the past. When they find out that you're a pastor, they might say something along the lines of, oh, you've got a closer connection to God then. No, I do not. I'm as close to God as you can be because of Christ and what Christ has done. This, this word of a pastor, this wording, it does not mean value, more value than the other. That's not the case. This does not speak of a higher status, but, but yet speaks of the function within a body of Christ. Peter, who is a pastor to pastor, extends an instruction to the pastor of these churches that they are to operate within a certain way. And so what is this instruction for a pastor? Well, we see it there in verse 2, if you look there with me. He says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversights, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Why would we be going over the instruction that is directed towards pastors? Now, I could have seen that and said, well, most of us in this room, we're not pastors or we're not going to be pastors, so we'll just skip right over it and move on to something else. Well, I, I think that that's a mistake when we do that. Number one, because it is in God's Word. and We've been stepping through Scripture, and I think it's a mistake to jump over Scripture just because you think it is lesser than. And by the way, if you think any scripture is lesser than any other, you need to evaluate your understanding of God's Word. But actually, there is a benefit for every Christian 
whether a pastor or not, in understanding the mandate of what a pastor should be and striving for. Number one, in looking at these things and looking at this passage tonight, a benefit that you can get from this as a follower of Christ is to realize that you have a pastor who is striving for these things within your local body of Christ. And this will produce thankfulness. Church, it goes without saying, but are you thankful for your pastor here at Southside? Thankful for Brother Jim? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am as well. And as being someone who is a staff pastor of this church, looking to his leadership and his leading, especially during this time. So, so in looking at what instructions were given towards a pastor, when you have a pastor who is striving for these things, who is living for these things, it will produce thankfulness. Secondly, and I'm not talking to anyone here, but maybe someone on Facebook or maybe you're not a member of this church, it might bring you to realizing that you don't have a pastor who is striving for these things within your church. And that, of course, can be problematic. But what that should drive you to is prayer. To pray for your pastor that he might begin to strive and live in the way that Peter instructs here. And thirdly, it can benefit any Christian because at some point, you might be without a pastor. Maybe someone is listening online now who doesn't have a pastor or is looking for a church, searching for a church. In understanding the biblical mandate and instruction and guidelines for a pastor, it can help and benefit you in that search. So, so don't just check out tonight because you think, well, I'm not a pastor, it doesn't apply to me. That is not the case. It certainly does and is beneficial to every one of us as followers of Christ. And so let's dive in tonight. Let's look at the instructions that Peter gives to this, these pastors of these struggling churches. Firstly, the instruction is to shepherd the flock of God. Now, the pastor is often called a shepherd, and rightfully so. I would think this would be on Peter's mind. You, you think of John chapter 21, verse 17, a conversation that Peter has with the risen Lord. It says, he said to him, speaking of Jesus, talking to Peter, said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, and this is important, feed my sheep. Peter was a pastor who was speaking and writing to pastors to feed the sheep and to shepherd the flock of God. This would have been a familiar title to Peter as he reflected on Christ's mandate for his life. The pastor of any body of believers is a shepherd of the local church, should be a shepherd of the local church. And that entails a job description. The job of the shepherd was to feed, was to lead, was to correct, and was to protect. We, we think about biblical times, a shepherd. It was a job that was done, and it was a difficult job. And that was their job, again, to feed, lead, correct, and protect the sheep. And the pastor being called the shepherd, the same truth holds for them as well. The pastor firstly feeds the flock by preaching and teaching God's word. The church needs nourishment. We need nourishment. And this is only accomplished through the preaching and teaching of God's word. Not any other way. Not through programs, not through strategy, not through a healthy dose of money or finances or anything else. It is only through the preaching of God's word. There have been and continue to be churches that are starving. 
They are starving for something substantial and they aren't getting it because their under-shepherd does not feed them a healthy diet of God's Word. Namely, the pastor's job as the shepherd is to feed the church with God's Word. So if you have a pastor who is feeding you and striving constantly, weekly feeding you with God's Word, be thankful for him. He is feeding you and giving you what you need. The shepherd firstly feeds the flock of God, and secondly, the pastor, the shepherd, leads by directing the flock in the right direction. And this is often a challenging thing for the shepherd to do. When you think about the shepherd in biblical times, if he had a large flock or even just a handful of sheep and he was the only shepherd, I would imagine that would be a very difficult thing to do, to keep the sheep going in the right direction. And when we think about pastors being within churches, especially struggling churches, and in the context of what's being talked about here in First Peter, because of persecution, to lead the church would have been vastly difficult. It would have taken months or even years to see this damaged flock, this persecuted flock, moving in the right direction. And church, that is not different today. To to lead a church in the right direction sometimes is extremely challenging. Now again, remember, we are speaking from a general standpoint tonight. This is not an indictment against you. I'm very thankful for you. And, And as we're speaking of these things, I'm seeing that you are much different than these things. But the reality is most churches pastors who are going in to feed and to lead them, it can be a very challenging thing to do. But regardless, regardless of the challenge, this is the job of shepherding the church, to feed them and then to lead them. And thirdly, the pastor, the shepherd, is to correct by discipline or rebuke. Now, that's not going to be a very popular one, is it? Probably not. When we think about the biblical shepherd, his job, along with feeding and leading, was also to correct the sheep. If you know much about the biblical shepherd, he had two tools at his disposal. He would have a shepherd's staff. It would be a staff that would have a crook at the end and was used to bring the sheep back in, the wandering sheep. But he also had a rod, which would have been this hardened staff that was used to strike the sheep and even sometimes injure the sheep. And that might sound harsh. And maybe to our ears it would seem harsh, but in reality it was what that sheep needed. In injuring that sheep, oftentimes a shepherd would take that sheep and place it across his shoulders. And by the time that sheep healed and recovered, he would be closer to the shepherd and the flock than ever before. This is a picture of a biblical pastor rebuking and correcting his flock. Even at times, disciplining or rebuking to the point of even hurting, it is oftentimes what is best for the church and best for the church member. The staff and the rod being used to draw the sheep in. Although this is a difficult reality, it is nonetheless the best thing for the wayward sheep. The pastor who corrects lovingly by the grace of God to bring the sheep who is straying back into the fold. It will hurt, it will bring great pain to the sheep as well as to the shepherd, but it is for the good of that member and for the good of the flock, that they are corrected and brought back in. The pastor and the under-shepherd is to feed, lead, correct, and lastly, to protect from outside danger. Now, there is someone within Scripture who was an ancient shepherd or a biblical shepherd, one name that would, I think, stand in the forefront of our mind. And it was 
David. Before he was king, of course, we know that he was a shepherd. And, and there's an account of David speaking to Saul. He's about to go up against Goliath. And, and listens to how he describes the job of a shepherd and what he was accustomed to doing. It's in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 34. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for, for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. A lion and a bear. <laughs> That's terrifying. But that was still the job of a shepherd. We see David as this young man, this young shepherd, answering the call of this physical job, saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to protect my sheep. The job of the shepherd was not an easy one. It was a dangerous job that attracted predator looking for the weak and the vulnerable. And it is no different for the pastor today, the shepherd of the local body of Christ. He is to protect the flock against outside dangers and inside division. False and divisive doctrine has attempted to infiltrate every church, and oftentimes the difference between whether or not it succeeds is whether or not there's a pastor standing ready to protect the flock of God. That oftentimes is the difference. John Calvin said the pastor ought to have two voices, one for gathering the sheep and another for warding off and driving away wolves and thieves. The scripture supplies him with the means of doing both. The pastor is to take care of the flock and the pastor is to guard against outside dangers and protect the flock of God. To shepherd the flock of God means that a pastor is feeding, leading, correcting, and protecting his church. Now Peter goes on. He doesn't just say that you're to shepherd the flock of God. He says in how they are to do that. Look there again with me in verse 3 and 4. Excuse me, 2 and 3. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Firstly, he says that the pastor in shepherding the flock of God is to do so with oversight, to be intentional in the overview of the body of Christ. He says he is not to do this out of compulsion. That is that he is being forced to or being guilted into doing this job, but rather to do so willingly which in doing so willingly, that is according to God's will and how His church is to be led and pastored. He goes on, he says, He is not to do this out of ill-gotten gain or greedy gain, but still yet is to do so eagerly, seeking out to do God's will and leading His church. He says there in verse, uh, verse 3, not being domineering. That means to not be oppressive over the church but striving to be an example to those under a pastor's charge. The pastor is the shepherd, and Peter goes on and says, and this is how he is to shepherd his flock of God. To be an example, to not be domineering, to not do so because of any ill-gotten gain, but to do so eagerly, to do so willingly, understanding it's according to God's will. Not because he's being forced to or guilted into it, and in all these things, doing so by exercising oversight over his flock. 
Now, church, in just studying these very short three verses, will we say that the job of the pastor is a difficult one? Absolutely. Is it an important one? Absolutely. Is it a challenging job? It is an important job. And so for any pastor, he may come to this point where he says, so what is my motivation behind doing this? Why do I strive for these things, even though it is difficult and challenging and frustrating? We see the answer in verse 4, and that will be our final verse this evening. Peter goes on and he says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, as we're talking about the relationship between the pastor and his church, there's also a church always in the middle of this relationship. The pastor is leading, and the church, by the grace of God, is being obedient and following the leadership of the pastor. As a pastor strives for these things, the church should be looking for these things in a pastor and responding in obedience when it's there. And Peter says we do these things because, as he says there in verse 4, Christ is returning. Look there again, and when the chief shepherd appears. Don't you just love that, this passage? Peter says you're a shepherd of your flock, you're a shepherd of the church, and you're to do this in this way until our chief shepherd, returns. Christ, our shepherd, returns for us. Do these things. Strive for these things. Live in this way, pastor, because the shepherd is returning. The pastor submits to the difficult challenge of pastoring, shepherding this church, because he knows that Christ, our shepherd, is returning for us. If you want to ask, what is the commonality between the pastor and the church member? It is this. Christ is our chief shepherd. Christ has fed us, led us, corrected us, and protected us. He has saved us from the danger from the enemy, and he is returning. And Peter encourages the pastor of this weighty task with the encouragement of Christ's return and the subsequent joy to follow. Look there again in verse 4. He says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The reality is, and Peter points to this here, the struggles, difficulty, and frustration of the pastoral ministry, all of those things are fading away. But the unfading crown of glory is coming. Christ is going to appear. Christ, our chief shepherd. The pastor is to keep these things in mind as he strives to follow these instructions and these commands that he is given here in this passage of Scripture. And what I love about this passage of Scripture, and I think this is very relevant to us during this time, church, this was not written and, and commanded during a time of prosperity. It was written during a time of great difficulty. The church doesn't stop. The, the pastor doesn't stop pastoring, and the church should never stop being the church. Even though Peter speaks of all these difficult things in chapters 1 through 4, he, he comes to this point in chapter 5 and says, but it doesn't change what you're supposed to be doing. It doesn't change that the pastor is still to be shepherding. It doesn't change that the church is still to be following and being obedient to what God has called them to. And church, as we reflect on these things tonight and these instructions we see in 1 Peter chapter 5, I pray and hope that you are reflecting on the goodness of Christ as our good shepherd. 
that we would strive as a church, that we would strive as pastors, as leaders, to display Christ to the rest of the world around us. Knowing that of all the frustration, all the difficulty that we're going through, at the end of the day, Christ is coming back. Our chief shepherd is coming back for us. Let's pray this evening. Father, we thank you again for tonight, God, in this day that we can gather together as your church. Father, I pray that you would be with us, Lord, as we go throughout this week, Father, and reflect on your word that we've studied, that we've looked at today, not just in, in these services, but in our Sunday schools and our personal study, Father. I pray that we would take the things that we have learned, God, and we would take them into our daily lives. Being an example, being a light to those around us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, is, it gives us instruction, it gives us encouragement in how we are to live our lives, Father. And God, I pray that we all, we're all encouraged tonight as we reflect on who Christ is as our shepherd, but also reflect on our pastor of this church. God, being thankful for him and his leadership. And God, remembering that no matter what we go through, no matter the difficulty that we face, the church never stops being the church. I pray we would strive for that. We would live for that. Remembering, always remembering, that Christ is coming back. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please stand with us.